0: Welcome to the Haunted Hacker Podcast, episode May, version two. And today we have my brother and good friend, uh, Mick Douglas, that's going to speak with us again. And it should be an interesting conversation, as usual. News for this week, I'm speaking in Nigeria at the end of the month, and then I'll be in Boston later on this month with TechStrong live, uh, doing some Android hacking and, and some workshops. So stay tuned for that. Uh, also, sorry about the delay for this week, but uh, yeah, I've been sick with COVID again. Um, and just a little PSA, public service announcement, if you have the at-home testing kits that the government gave out, toss them because they're no good for the Omicron subvariant. variant uh, Two tests negative, doctor's test positive, same day. So yeah, don't trust those uh, government tests that you get for free. Um, so right. with with that being said, man, welcome, Mick. It's good to have you on again.
1: Well, welcome. Was- I'm glad you're you're making it, man. Omicron, <laughs> no joke. Yeah, for real.
0: Um, it, it's just been it's one of those things where it makes you stop and think about like all the stuff you've been told and mm-hmm. what the government and what doctors supposedly know, as opposed to what's really going on
1: um yeah i don't know if it's conspiracy theory or anything i mean i think that there might be some of that but i i gotta say like it's just weird like in this day and age like how little we know about medicine type stuff and so um i know that um like for like early on in the covid thing like is it Like you got to keep the subway handrail clean. Like we didn't know if it was surface transmission or air. Like, I don't know, man. It's just, it's like bonkers how much we're learning, but still how far we got to go.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, when you look at the flu and and how much the flu has impacted the globe, you know, over history, and then you look at how many shots they have, it's really just best guess is what strains next. And I think we've come to that point with uh, COVID is that we don't know everything about it. And to create a vaccine that that is 100% effective or even 90% effective is going to be really hard, I think, for probably the next 20 years. And I don't see COVID being one of those things that, that leaves us and just disappears. I think it's going to be around for a really, really long time. <clears throat> but, you know, with that being said, like, you know, I did get the the vaccination, uh, I got the Pfizer and, uh, you know, I was definitely sick this time, but it wasn't a hospital-bound uh, sickness like I've had the the previous times. Um, I escaped, I, I bypassed the ICU this time, so that's that's a bonus. Uh, but you know, it it does have its effects, and they still haven't determined like the long term effects. Right, and some of that I still deal with from the very first time I had COVID in England. I had the Italian strain, which was brutal. Oh. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. It it caused shingles and all kinds of stuff. It was massive. Yeah, dude, Bro. it was really bad. So, <clears throat> you know, enough with that. It was bad. Uh, you know, it's it's making its its comeback, I guess, because of uh, the subvariants and people depending on on you know no mask and vaccinations. So mm-hmm. anyway, so news this week, dude. Elon Musk and Twitter. Let's talk,
1: <laughs> man. You know, here's the thing. I, like, I'll, I, I want to be clear. Like, Musk, I think, is a super interesting cat. He's played his cards very, very well. I do think, though, that um, he's, he's going to get it. Like, there's no other, like, word for this other than straight-up fraud and manipulation. And um, now he's trying to get out of paying the $1 billion exit penalty by doing that random sampling to see if like it's all bots. Well, I mean, there's a ton of bots on Twitter. Yeah. But I mean, there's a couple folks for real, but like, I don't know, man. Like, I just, I I feel like Musk, I, 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 on one hand, I got to really salute him and then on the other, I'm like, dude, what you doing? Like, he didn't have to go that crazy. Like, if he had just played it a little more chill, um, I don't know. I'll tell you this. The one thing that I am a little salty with, and I want to give a shout out to my friend, John Garnflow, who said this. And I was like, hell yeah. Is He said that he really disliked the whole Twitter thing because it's a distraction from Mars and all of his space efforts. And I was like, that's exactly correct Absolutely. and um also man the fact that he like he is going to get sued to high heaven if i were a twitter or not a twitter uh, a tesla stock owner i oh. would be suing the Jesus out of him because he basically liquidated what was it 113 billion dollars in the last uh, stock market cap on yeah. tesla that's ridiculous
0: that and you, you couple that with the supercomputer that tesla the tesla company is thinking about building and planning on building you know and that, that was leaked this week as well you know i, I really wish if he, if he wanted to make a difference with twitter i think he should have had like a public campaign to go against some of the policies and and really dig in deep and and you know speak from his platform but going to buy the company i mean to me you know, if I go buy a new car, I'm not going to look for the shittiest car I can find with three tires. Like I'm going to go for the nice new one or create my own. Right. But he's going after the one with three tires and is already infected and he wants that.
1: And, you know, maybe. Uh, (laughs) well, he he wouldn't be able to like, all right, so look at the market cap of the different uh, social media platforms. Like he's not going to be able to buy Facebook meta or whatever the hell they're calling it. Yeah. Um, Twitter is actually pretty interesting though, because like a lot of journalists and policy wonks and politicians use Twitter. And for some odd reason, a lot of InfoSec uses Twitter. But aside from that, it's um, like, I I would agree. It is kind of a busted system, but because it's got, um, you know, all these uh, key people using it, that's why. And so I think that, like building your own is really tricky because like if you wanted to, you could build your own internet.
0: Oh yeah. Why would you? Yeah. But with, with Twitter though, I think like, I I think part of it is free speech. Right. And, and the, the way that Twitter has taken its stance with certain individuals and certain types of speak and, and different groups, like, you know, take take the Taliban for instance. You know, they, they had a profile on Twitter forever. And Twitter was just yeah. like, fuck all, we're not doing anything yeah. about it, you know? And it's like those types of things. I see why someone would want to buy Twitter because the first thing I would do is clean house, like just start destroying profiles. Um, and maybe that's what he is planning on doing, but it's not looking good for him right now. I think my personal opinion, he should stick with SpaceX and Tesla. Mm-hmm and focus his efforts and his schedule for those two companies? Because I, I know Elon Musk schedules his day in 15-minute increments mm-hmm. and gets up at like 4.30 4 30 in the morning, some some crazy time like that. Right. And he's super efficient, super effective, and has a lot of money, and he's very successful. But why would you go after a platform like that? Because to me, that brings your portfolio down. Like, I, I wouldn't well-
1: He's so in addition to all the stuff that he's got going for him, I do think that he's great about generating buzz, mm-hmm. you know from that Joe Rogan like token weed um, right? Like he he is really good about making splashes and this was super splashy. I'm not sure why he did it if it was abstraction from something else. like for all we know, he's playing fourth dimensional chess. And this is like hiding some other thing that he's doing or he got bored. I don't know. Like time will tell, but I do think that looking at it like short and medium term, man, this was, this was an expensive, expensive misstep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's going to be paying for it for a long time. Um, You know, and then, so this past, I guess this past month, um, Mm -hmm. I go to DC 423, which is a DEF CON group here in Chattanooga. And uh, really good guys over there. Shout outs to DC423. Um, one thing that we start doing, we start taking a look at screenshots from surveillance cameras, IP cameras okay, in the Ukraine. And I have to tell you that the images that we saw were not exactly the images that we were seeing being played out on TV. Um, it was pretty, uh, pretty confusing. When we first started looking at it, um, but when you look at some of the areas that are being hit pretty hard, mm-hmm. and the lack of water, lack of food, you know, all, all the things that the media list. And then we see a store that's fully stocked, like it, it really makes me stop and wonder, you know. And then mm-hmm. we also saw some some really interesting armbands, which I'm not really sure what they signify. Um, at first we thought they were Belarusian troops. Because they were green armbands. And usually the armband reflects the flag, right? Whatever, mm-hmm. whatever country you're from. And they were just solid green. Um, later on, we saw a uh, lecture from a Ukrainian University that was giving a class in the middle of the battlefield in full fatigue, helmet, everything with the same green band. So I'm not really sure what that green band is from. But we've mm-hmm. been following, following the, the, the show dance screenshots quite actively just to okay. see what's coming up. Um, actually one of the guys from the group wrote a script that will grab those screenshots and dump them into our Slack channel so that we can take a look at, at what is actually being produced, um, which I, I think is really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a really good way to do OSINT, um, mm-hmm. but the same token, I think there's a lot of intelligence that's being leaked. There was one photo that, that we looked at that shocked the hell out of me. It was a bunch of troops in a pool hall, pool tables everywhere, with maps laid out and they were sitting around the table planning and the de- maps, like straight up Dude, maps. Forever. Were you able to actually see positions? So from that screenshot, I wasn't able to actually like zoom into the, to the map itself. Um, but I'd, I'd like to find somebody who can, who knows how to manipulate images, like to, to bring them closer or, or clarity or whatever to take a look at it. see what they can do with them because that stuff is being leaked everywhere i don't know if if they didn't realize there's a camera in that pool hall but legitimate Uh military troops and strategic planning going on right there in front of the ip camera it showed in showed in caught it all
1: yep
0: so it's pretty shocking
1: yeah Yeah, i'm really surprised at how bad the opsec especially on the russian side is Mm -hmm. like um so Like the the thing that I'm really shocked with is the fact that they're using consumer grade walkie talkies and I don't know. So like I'm big into radio type stuff and there's, there's a ton of hams that have started setting up interceptors Mm -hmm. in the uh, theater and like straight up open talk. Like they're Mm -hmm. not even doing spectrum hop. They're not doing nothing and like I mean it would be one thing if it was like hey you know we need like water brought to this forward operating base but it's like team two go take that building like I mean it's like actual battlefield strategic channel like well no not uh, I haven't heard any strategic stuff but it's more tactical tactical, yeah like for for troop coordination and like that's crazy that is absolutely crazy um they're using shortwave too yeah well uh it's on shortwave and um there's a couple things where um they're catching chatter on like standard marine vhf radio Mm -hmm. like i i just my mind boggles because like like they're using less uh security than we had in the 90s with cordless phones that did that digital spectrum hop. Mm-hmm. They don't they're not even doing that. Like I'm just floored at that. I think it's um, a good example of the Russian government
0: spending more money on, let's say Satan to the nuclear warhead rather yeah.
1: than communications and offset. Yeah. I don't know. Like it, there's so much that doesn't make sense. You know, another thing that I've seen that like, like I, I don't even understand how this is a thing but the Russian state media are showing, like, uh, traffic cameras and, and stuff in other Ukrainian towns and being like, look, we're not attacking them. And I'm like, well, but the cams that are online and active aren't the ones that have been shelled. Like how, do, like, how can you even be like, because this camera exists, is proof that we haven't shelled. Well, right. that one. <laughs> like, I just, I don't understand... Um, and I'm sure we're getting our, our share of propaganda, but um man, like I, I don't know, like it is it's a bad look for Russian conventional forces, is all I'm saying. Like oh, it's a horrible look. Like just just
0: the way that, that they invaded and what's happened so far, and the Ukrainian tractors hauling off tanks that have been disabled. Like, I mean how does that happen to a superpower? Right? Like Russia was, Russia is an empire. It's a huge place. Right. And they have a lot of capabilities.
1: I got to tell you like hats off to the Ukrainian uh, (laughs) resistance though, because like they're using what they got smart. So um, one of the things, and I want to be clear, I don't condone it, but the tankers are in this really horrible situation where they either fire on a civilian or leave them alone not knowing that they're they could be a spotter and like the javelins like people are shooting the javelin and they hit the lead tank and then they pin them in and like <laughs> like that's all the suck if you're armor and you got nowhere forward to go like really like it, like they're just really doing great tactics with, yeah. and I am really impressed. Another thing that they showed that I thought was just amazing was these um, uh, these were civilians that did this. They spray painted dinner plates and they put them out on the um road. Oh, nice. And they so, like, your tanker, and you're like, mines. Mm-hmm i mean you
0: know that's pretty awesome i mean yeah. you, you have to you have to be creative in, in times like that and i i know um i used to box way back in the day i boxed pro for a while and one of my heroes the guy that i looked up to the most was vladimir klitschko
1: oh yeah, yeah and isn't i mean the mayor of some he of is
0: him and his brother are politicians in the ukraine right. and when i saw vladimir's post on linkedin and he was in full fatigue and out fighting i thought i would not want to be that russian who walks into the alley on a dark night and faces off vladimir klitschko because he gives no fucks like that that dude is pretty pretty hardcore and he's super smart too he's very strategic he has a doctorate i mean he's he's a smart dude uh-huh. yeah bo- both of the klitschko brothers are really really smart Uh, Vladimir was my favorite. Vitaly was pretty uh, impactful as well. But but those two, um, and seeing their politicians in fatigues, in the trenches, fighting with the people, that is so respectful and so honorable. Because when I think about our own country, and if we got invaded how many of our politicians <laughs> would throw on fatigues? There, there,
1: there would be a few, but in the main, I mean, they would have ditty bopped long ago yeah. um, with a quickness. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that um, it's kind of interesting to see, like, you know, I hope we're never in that sort of do-or-die situation, yeah. but it is um, interesting that, um, like, when you're up against it, that it really does allow people to show their... You know, do you have the stones or not? Yeah.
0: And I, I think the the people that, that rise to the occasion, you know, I hope that everything stops at some point and people can get their lives back together. And I think at that point, like, we're going to see the true heroes after after everything stops and the people who continue to help and, and rebuild Ukraine, because Ukraine is destroyed. I mean, a good majority of Ukraine, the, the big city centers are just absolutely destroyed like Maripol. Um, yeah. Nothing but rubble. Yeah, it's well, pretty sad.
1: The, the, the Russians realized that they can't take the city, so they're just going it. to make it not be a city. And, um, right, we knew that, like, that's their playbook. We knew that from the Chechen War. And um, shout out to, um, oh, what the hell is it? Jim, uh, not Jones. I forget, there's a military thing that i read that they called it they said hey um if they're not able to hit their objectives they are going to flatten yeah. the cities yeah. and
0: that's what they've been doing yeah my biggest fear though is is that's going to continue and they're going to get to a point where they can't do anymore but the Ukrainians are still going to be fighting and resisting oh, yeah and I, I fear that at that point they'll either use biological or some kind of regional uh weapon for destruction
1: uh yeah well i i don't know like th- that's the thing that i where i don't understand mm-hmm. what putin's endgame is like if he was trying to cause the world to like have the u.s do a nuke exchange and have us look bad like i would have thought that he would have been a little more bold so yeah. i'm like that's the bit that i'm confused yeah um but well, he shouldn't
0: think... he, he should have known too that our government's not going to do anything. I mean, w- when you invade a country, and this is, I mean, I don't, I don't play sides or whatever with U.S. politics, but whenever there's a Democrat in the House, in the White House, it's very hard to pull us into a war. However, if it's a Republican, gung-ho, we're going. Um, so I, his, his timing seemed a little off to me. You know, if, if he really wanted to drag the U.S. into a conflict, it was the wrong administration to deal with
1: well and i I put administration aside it's also i don't even it'd be interesting in an alternate universe if it was like trump still in office or another republican but um i don't know if the american people have it because Mm -hmm. like coming off of afghanistan no yeah uh, yeah it just won't happen yeah you like i i Every single person that I know that served in Afghanistan, they were like, What the hell are we even doing here? It was, a mess. And, it was a mess. And, and right, I don't know anyone who is like, Yeah, we need to be doing more of that. And this would be every bit as that with oh. the spice of nuclear arms on top of it.
0: Yeah. So for sure, for sure. Yeah. I saw on uh, LinkedIn today, there was a post um, that I believe dr chase cunningham uh posted regarding the dark web and a a death warrant for putin dead or alive yeah so i mean people are starting on dark web starting to speak up so
1: well i'll tell you this um those oligarchs have been having a whole lot of accidents lately and Mm -hmm. at a certain point like you know if i'm a multi-billionaire i'm gonna start running some hard calculus on hey it's mere him and i've got a i got a whole lot of coin and i can invest a whole lot of my coin and still have a lot of coin left and have a better life expectancy so like i don't know i, I
0: yeah it's it's goofy right now it's crazy so we also saw this week f5 so what do you know about the vulnerability yeah. with
1: f5 that was so amazing So not a ton. Um, So I've been heads down on another issue. Um, The problem that I've uh, been struggling with is that everybody that's been uh, uh, dealing with this is really having a hard time um, uh, figuring out when they can even apply the patch is the issue that I see. So a lot of the um, sites that are running like the um, F5 load balancers and such, like they literally have to go down hard for the um, patch to apply. They're not wanting to do that. And so like, I don't know, like, what have you been hearing? Well, I saw um,
0: last night, someone was talking about how a lot of the F5 servers are being just straight up wiped. Like, yeah, everything is just, the, the F5 devices are just, everything's being wiped from them mm-hmm. um, if, they're left, if they're left up. Uh, and so people are scrambling trying to patch, but like you said, it's difficult to patch those, right? Mm-hmm. And so the people who are deciding not to patch, I think some of them, it's catching up to them. Um, their devices are being pretty much bricked. Uh, so I, I don't know how that's going to, how that roadmap, what that roadmap looks like. Um, but one of the guys was, was talking, he was like, please just don't hit Netflix (laughs) or or Uber eats. (laughs) So yeah, it was a pretty big vulnerability, but the the thing that, that worries me about that type of target, you know, everybody wants the big, every hacker wants that big target, right? The, The big gold bars. Right. Um, and it seems like lately in the past year or so, like those devices, those really key pieces of infrastructure have been the target and I, I think there's a group probably strictly focusing on those key infrastructure pieces. Um, not necessarily the, the critical infrastructure itself, but pieces that could bring down pieces of the internet to cause problems with infrastructure. Right. Um, so I, I think as an industry, we're horrible when it comes to patching. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, and I've seen this in oil and gas too. like. I worked at an oil and gas company and I contacted one of our clients. I said, Hey, look, you know, we've got to stop using Telnet to get into, you know, your routers and, and stuff on the platforms, the oil rigs. Well, we can't, that's the only thing we can use because the, the devices they were using were so outdated yep. that you couldn't use anything but Telnet to get into them. Yep. Um, so, I mean, when you look at that being an oil and gas and oil production, that's scary. That's really scary. Yeah, oh, totally.
1: Well, one of the things that I always struggle with, and um, I, I have a, a weird story along along that line. So a petrochemical hired me to do some device discovery. And we did the like the enterprise network use and uh, mass scan and some and map stuff. And we did some kind of creative things to get coverage. And we were able to cover their entire environment. Like way less than other people were thinking it would take Mm. and so they were super happy and they're like hey go after our OT environment and I said totally like let's do this but I'm only going to be testing in a non-prod instance first and right like I know how sensitive some of these embedded systems are and so I'm sending the most gentle packets that I can and everything's coming back aces it's like hey I'm you know this Siemens device on this Rockwell device on this Honeywell, right? Everything's going great. Except um, I found this one flow control sensor. Won't mention the vendor. It's, it's actually not their fault. This thing's basically a paperclip with um, like resistors. Like that's the kind of compute power it's got. If you send it any packet other than it's expecting all bets off, and it happened to be that if you sent this very specific sequence, it would just hang to the point where you had to do a firmware reflash to get it back. Oh, wow. It's a flow control sensor. That's bad. Imagine dropping that on an oil refinery or a derrick or something like that.
0: And it explodes.
1: And, well, right. Because like, oh, I got oil flowing through. Don't know how much. So, um, you know, these these devices... Are like I I feel really hella bad for the engineers who had to develop these things because they're like, yeah, pocket calculator, shoot, man, why are you getting all fancy with the computing power? And you, these devices are meant to have like thirty year cycles, right. so they're cheap as hell. There's you know seventeen thousand of them or more on a single like oil platform or on a on a refinery. So like you know, you've got to be cheap because they're going to be shipping to different vendors trying to find the cheapest solution. Right. And what do you do? Like, it's just a rough economics problem. And so, um, you know, the, the high availability of these things, you can't patch because how do you? And so I, you know, in some ways, I know this sounds really weird, but we've kind of, um, you know it's kind of like when you go into like a real like nasty place and you turn on the light and all the cockroaches scurry away Mm. that's what we've done with the attackers we've turned on the lights and like at servers and like key infrastructure at some parts of our enterprise they've moved away because we've got the host intrusion prevention Mm. we've got the logging but you know, now now we're moving to these like core infrastructure things like the you know your load balancers, your routers, your switch fabric. Yep. What logging do you have there? Not fun. I, yeah. Right? Because the volume, like if imagine what would happen if you turned on the log level that you would need in order to do like actual SIM slash log based forensics on those things. No way. <laughs> <laughs> dude i like i forget sim stock i would just buy stock and storage solutions because yeah. the the gigabytes of logs that you would be shipping a day would be silly so i don't know man i i do think that we're hitting an interesting spot um where i don't know like i think that we're, we're hitting the upper edges of the technologies that we have from a defensive standpoint, and we're going to have to start doing different things. Um, Like I realized that zero trust has been way abused by marketing firms and stuff, but it is kind of interesting. It's actually like going back to great, like you and I are from similar vintage, right? We remember bastion hosts. We had to do that. Mm -hmm. We're kind of heading back to that world again, I think.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right. You know, I I was talking to somebody not long ago. We are talking about defense products. And they asked me, you know, how do you feel we've come along with defense products? And, I, you know, we've made some advancements. We've done well in some areas. But to be honest with you, like the days of Snort, when Snort first came out, and the ease of writing your own signatures and, and analyzing different packets and building signatures for that, we've gone away from the person behind the keyboard having a control over that platform to a completely vendor controlled platform um, and i think all we've done is add a bunch of bells and whistles onto what we the foundation of what we already developed and we started doing some machine learning some i guess pseudo ai or whatever mm-hmm. um, it's beefing up some of that some of that alerting some of that knowledge on the on the wire but I, I still think that we're not to where we need to be over this okay. period of time. We should have been much further than
1: what we are right now. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. Um, there, there is an interesting um, uh, like, pushback against the um, vendor ecosystem, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you should check out MISP. That's M-I-S-P. And it's a really cool information sharing platform that allows you to share alert logics and rules and detections. Um, And I I really think that that might be the path forward. The catch is, um, it does take a little bit of time and effort to set up correctly. But once you have it set up, you can actually do some really slick stuff and then um, actually make things like ISACs be super helpful.
0: But dude, I I appreciate the platforms are difficult and tedious to set up because you learn so much when you do that. And if it takes that much to to you know get it up and going, then that tells me that that the user has a little
1: bit more control over what's happening rather than just a box with a light. Depends though, like your counterpunch to that archer
0: yeah sure archer
1: for sure (laughs) right like and i'm sure there's somebody out there that just took offense to that um come at me seriously um clearly i'm doing archer wrong um and before you like hate me and say that i worked at small organizations look at where bank of america was on the fortune 500 list like like right mike and i both worked there we had archer there and it was not bueno and like if if a multinational bank can't get that sort of tool correct, I don't know, show, show us. Like, maybe maybe we were doing it dumbly, but I, I just think that, um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's some areas that we're doing really good at and then other areas that we're just really face planning hard. And um, I don't know. Like, the, the, the thing that I'm really struggling with And this is just how salty I've become is I think that we need to start having a a serious conversation. We've been kind of like nibbling at the edges of this thought pattern that I've been having. So for decades now, we've made fun of script kiddies, Mm -hmm. attackers that don't know their tools. and like They don't have to. Right. We get script kiddie defenders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that we need to, as an industry, as defenders, just say, like, no, like, that's not cool. And just start saying, like, hey, this, like, we're playing in the bigs, whether we want to or not, you know, it's like, it, let's be honest. There's this, like, cold slash lukewarm cyber war going on. And if you're sleeping at the switch, guess what? North Korea is in your network. China's in your network, Russia's in your network. And you know, let's stop talking about just those countries like Brazil is in your <laughs> Ecuador. network. Ecuador. Right? Like everybody, like why wouldn't you have why wouldn't you have a, a cybercrime group that's like nation state sponsored? Because it's so freaking efficient.
0: Yes, yes, that and you know, I'm kind of tossed when it comes to this topic, and it, it I've really been thinking about it a lot lately is we had this gap, this this skills gap or, or this employment gap in cybersecurity. I don't even know if it's a true gap. I, I don't know if it was just a, a marketing ploy or whatever. But so my problem is we're bringing all these people into cybersecurity. Oh, you don't have to know anything. We'll take whoever and they come in and I, I've seen it time and time again. There are some people who c- can transition into cyber and do a great fucking job. Yep. But- there are a lot of people who are getting in because of the dollar side. Oh, yep. cyber, cyber pays money. So let's jump yep. in there. And we're being inundated with people who, how do I put this without offending people?
1: No, just offend them. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> if they take offense, if they take offense, skill up.
0: Yeah, true. So uh, I'll just say that, you know, we ha- we do have people in a vast majority of them coming in that literally don't know the way around a device or a PC mm-hmm. and we're putting them behind consoles to maintain, you know, security in large networks. That mm-hmm. scares the shit out of me. Yep. You know, and when I see this and, and when I talk to some of these people, oh yeah, I want to get in cyber because I want to be a pen tester. That's the first thing you to say, I want to be a pen tester. Why do you want to, why do you want to get in cyber? Because it's sexy and it pays a lot, which those two things throw out the fucking window because first of all, it's not sexy. Second of all, it depends on where you're at and your background. Have you, have you <laughs> seen this,
1: Mike? I can't shut this off. <laughs> right?
0: This is sexy. And I, and I apologize yeah. to your viewers. Yeah, but, but <laughs> it, it's true, man. It's like, you know, I, I see some of the mistakes that people make. And people make mistakes in order to succeed and
1: and so i'm gonna push back on that a bit dude so um i i come from a very blue collar family and um i got into it and stuff because like it beat working in the steel mill yeah and one of the things that i realized like in the first week i was like man i'm always going to be in a heated and an air-conditioned office score and Mm -hmm. then they were like hey uh like here's your pay and i was like so you know i don't think that there's anything wrong with people chasing the dollar bill i don't think that there's anybody like wrong for like taking the cushy job i do think though that you have to realize that unlike say like a regular gig where Mm. like right like i hate to say it but like if you're a phone rep or something and you know somebody's calling to complain that you know, their cell phone coverage was bad. Right. Okay. You know what? That's bad. But if you're like a security professional and you need to be like analyzing malware and you're like, yeah, whatever, that's a false Mm. positive. And it wasn't right. Congratulations. Your hospital just got ransomware. Right. And I think that we need to, as an industry say, Hey, it's okay for you to be a rookie. Mm but it like you you have to be switched on you have to realize that your job matters and um you know if you want to ride the ride at like wherever you're at like mm. well, here's the like what you need to do to hit those levels and then you're solid right um but if you're not hitting those levels like you need to bounce out and yeah. you know and i'll tell you this like this goes for me um I have a client that I'm actively spinning away from because they hired me to do one thing and I'm not being allowed to do that thing and they're having me do this other thing that I am not good at. right And I'm gonna get it over the line. but once once that's done, I'm out because I'm like I'm not doing myself any favors and I, I feel like I'm not doing them favors. And so like I don't know, like it, it's just messed up. I agree with you that there are a lot of people that are underskilled and why wouldn't there be? Because at this point, there's like 3 million open recs. Now, I don't know if all of those are legit or not. And by the way, that's globally, but I do know that everyone that I know is hiring. And I do know that um, uh, a lot of orgs are looking for folks. The problem that I have is that they they're like, Hey, You need to have 15 years experience in this thing. And that's, that's it. We're only hiring super senior people and that's jacked up because if that's how it goes, like there's always going to be a skill gap.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I I look at the entry level positions that I see posted on LinkedIn, they're not entry level. Mm -hmm. You know, when when you want three or four certs and three years Mm -hmm. experience, that's not entry level. That's not entry level. You know, we yeah. at my company we hire interns, and that's mm-hmm. very entry-level. I mean, I literally have one guy that, that has rose through the ranks and he came to me from fucking Starbucks. Yep. You know, he, he was a barista, but now he's an analyst and he's doing a great job. Yep. Um, but the the entry-level jobs and the certifications that are required for some of those jobs are just ridiculous. You know, if someone had told me when I got in the military, in order to have a job in cyber. I'm sorry, you're going to have to have two certifications. I didn't have the money for that. I was fucking yeah. broke. I just left the military. And uh, I think that's the biggest downfall. But what I've done to combat that is this week, our nonprofit went live, Hackers for Veterans. So we're raising money to give people those certifications and, and books and, and laptops and shit. Um, and I think more people need to do that. Um, mm mm-hmm. You know, step up and, and help change the the ecosystem, yep. um, instead of you know going out there and banging drums saying, "Hey, let's jump into cyber." Why don't you give people the method and the vehicle to get there successfully? Yep. and that's kind of that's kind of where where I'm focusing my efforts right now is, is trying to make cybersecurity not just a better place but a more efficient place. If that makes sense. Thanks. Nice. Oh, no, that's awesome. So, but I just get tired of reading those recs. It's just like the more you can compl- you can't change it you know it, the more i complain about it, the less people listen so
1: well i do think that you know i when i see stuff like that i just that's kind of like oh like i'm all right i know where you're at on the like what you know about the industry i mean right um, there, there's a good buddy of mine who has the CCIE for those of you who don't know, that is the top tier technical cert that Cisco has Cisco, Cisco certified internet engineer. Like you literally can recreate the internet given enough money. Mm. And this guy was applying for a role for a, um, it was a local company and they had like great benefits. His wife was having like some medical stuff. So he wanted to be local instead of being on the road all the time. And um, they were looking for like two tiers down and and they were like, Oh, you don't have this cert. And he's like, Oh, I guess I'm not going to work for you because like, they clearly don't understand what he is and what he brings to the table. And likewise, when you're a company that says, Hey, we need somebody who's got, you know, 30 years of angular development experience, you'll be like, okay, cool. Cool story, bro. Like I know, Thank you. Like you're going to get what you deserve at this point. Let
0: me know how it turns out for you. Yep. Yeah. I just, I remember the old days of when I first started in the industry and what it wasn't really even an industry at that point. Um, Me and uh, Jason street worked at a company called software support and we, we did support for gateway computers and a couple other uh, companies. I actually moved from support into Sega soft beta testing for their gaming which I thought was really cool, finding all the bugs and shit in the code, and ways to cheat the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, some of those entry level jobs were truly entry level. Like getting mm-hmm. on the phone and, and explaining to an elderly person that no, that is not a foot pedal; it's actually a mouse that goes on your desk. That was those were trying times. But yeah. I, but I respect it because looking back, like I can laugh now. But back then, dude, I was banging my head. I was like, if this is what technology is going to be like, and my job is is going to be, fuck this. I can't do it. I would literally have to put people on hold and cuss them out and bring back the phone and go, like, oh, hey, how you doing? You know? <laughs> but if we don't have that in cybersecurity anymore. You know, Yeah, we have the the tier one analyst and, and people that clients call into, but when they're calling with a problem, they know the problem. And there's a level of technical ability on both sides of that phone. Um, right. My problem is the way that we're recruiting now for the industry is... It's not an equilateral uh, technology exchange, a knowledge exchange on the phone. Um, a lot of the time, the analyst is down here, and, and the client is like, "Why the fuck am I paying you if you don't right. know what this is?" Um, and that's frustrating. You know, I, I really, I really hope we can find a way to circumvent that whole issue and, and skill up the whole industry because I think the whole industry needs a skill up, mm-hmm. uh, not just entry level, but all the way up. You know, I've had CISOs God, I'll never forget this. I had a CISO on the phone with a client trying to sell our services and I'm sitting two, two desks away from him and he's on the phone. He says, I've been doing internet security since Ronald Reagan was in the office. And I thought, bro, what? <laughs> Please don't say that again. And he was like, why? It's accurate. And I was like, no, 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 it's not accurate at all. Let's not advertise that to anybody were, were you on darpa net bro <laughs> like that's... Right. so but you have a lot of those people you know they, they want to impress and they, and they want to seem like their their technical skills are, are up here when they're you know and they're probably adequate but mm-hmm. they try to build themselves up to sell a product and i see that with the vendors all the time too like some of the mm-hmm. questions i ask vendors on vendor meetings and they're just like i don't know like bro mm-hmm. you know you claim it does this if it doesn't do that don't tell me about it
1: well on the flip though i would rather have that like one of the things really? that i do with my vendors oh yeah yeah i would rather them admit they don't know it like oh yeah one, no, for sure one of the things that i always do is i make requests or i ask about honey features or honey things mm-hmm. like oh you've got this wi-fi thing yeah i know that you can do 802.11 like whatever but what about the 802.11 gamma series and they're like oh yeah we Definitely we're all over it. Now. We're, we're on it. And I'm like, <laughs> and then I always have a follow-up question so that they don't think that I busted them. And because I did. And you know, just come up with like whatever BS like question. And if they if they are like, Oh yeah, we got that. Um man, nah, like now nah. you know that they're snake oil. Dude, do you remember when Lockheed Martin came to Bank of America to
0: try to sell us their APT appliance?
1: No, I, don't. Bro,
0: I sat down with them and there were two guys from Lockheed Martin. <clears throat> they bring in this black box about the size of a home router or whatever. It had one light on the front and two Ethernet ports in the back. And he puts it on the desk. He says, we can stop any APT with this device. I said, oh, really? So what does it run on? What, what's, what's, you know, what's the base OS? You know, tell me how it works. We can't do that. It's proprietary. You just plug it in. It detects APTs. Eradicates. I was like, bro. And this is, you know, back then, APT, that was a term that was newly coined. That wasn't, right. it hadn't been around. And here's this, you know, defense company with a box that won't tell you shit that's inside of it. So my big joke was, oh yeah, let me sell you this box full of fairies because it does everything you need to do. But I can't tell you what's in it because it's proprietary. Um, and I still see some vendors like that. Like You start digging and you're like, well, you know, what, what OS, what code does it run? um how does it how does it look for anomalies and oh we can't tell you can't tell you it's you know it's proprietary but you know it it just goes to show how far we've come from back in those days to where we are now Mm -hmm. uh you know i just had a conversation um about carbon black we use carbon black quite a bit great fucking platform um helps Mm -hmm. us in a lot of uh ransomware events that that you know, we do micro segmentation and, and, you know, just, it's a great tool to use, but <clears throat> with some of the other tools, I still can't get, you know, like with ArcSight, ArcSight, when it came out, was like really impactful mm-hmm. and had great functionality, but in order to get it up and running, like we were talking about earlier was, was difficult. I mean, building data buckets and building, you know, the data forms for that shit was really great. Right.
1: Well, right. But so like Sims and, and like in Archer's defense, these these sorts of tools are kind of like um, like race cars, right? Like, yes, you, you drive them. Yes, they kind of look like the car you go to pick up groceries, but they require a hell of a lot more service. You need to pay a crew. And so like ArcSight wasn't a bad product for years and years now. Right. HP kind of does, yeah, and then they sold it off, and now the company, um, Microsoft or something like that, or Micro Solutions, the people who basically kind of own the COBOL space are now the ones who are running the whole ArcSight ecosystem. That's interesting. I didn't, yeah, Yeah, it was, it, it, believe it or not, it was the first sim that actually had SOAR capabilities built in and this is like way maybe 10 plus years ago you could have a script response to like an alert and and that was awesome like um when i worked at deep we had all kinds of crazy stuff like you hit the firewall too hard you got put in the timeout corner Mm -hmm. you come out of the timeout corner like you go in the timeout corner for a day um if you like reoffend and we had all kinds of great crazy stuff and now like ArcSite just is kind of a shadow of its former self because they just let it wither and die on the vine.
0: I remember when uh, they were doing a training <clears throat>
1: for ArcSite at the
0: company I worked for, and it was offsite and had all these servers on every desk, and it was the ArcSite server. And I think back then it was running off of something like Red Hat or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a database backend. And so yeah. what I decided to do is throw some commands towards the database through the interface to see how it would Mm -hmm. handle it. It did not handle it at all. Like it crashed the entire class because we were all using the same database. And we had to call it for the day and come back the next day. The guy comes to me and says, instructor says, you know, we we traced it back to your IP address. What were you doing? And I was like, I was just on a database commands through the interface. Mm -hmm. And if the interface can't handle it, that's a problem. Yeah. So, I mean, those were the days when you know, when people were coming out with high functioning platforms, they were looking for input. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't see a lot of that these days. I I may not be looking in the right places, but I don't see a lot of those places looking for that type of input. Um,
1: I think they exist. Um, without breaking NDAs, I can say that I'm involved in a couple of those. Um, it's just the, it's, I like I feel like we're in a weird transition period where a lot of tooling isn't working right now. Right. And so um, people are moving in to fill that gap. And as a result, we're seeing like some really weird, uh, some stuff that works, some stuff that doesn't. And um, it's it's like, some people are just banking on busted technology. That's not going to work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that we're, and we are at a transition point. I think that at this point we can either increase the effectiveness of these platforms or we're going to have to find another way to do business because the platforms that we've been using for such a long time, they're good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're what we have. They're good. They're effective. But like I said before, I I don't think they're anywhere near where we should be and vendors are, are specifically, responsible for that, I believe, because we're given the input, we're given the feedback and they see the real world problems. And take ransomware, for instance, why is there not a single platform that is engineered specifically to fight ransomware, only ransomware? Like if someone came up with that, they'd be billionaires.
1: Well, would they though? And the reason why (laughs) is a lot of orgs have just realized like, Hey, I'm going to roll the dice and I get hit or I don't. And if I do get hit, cyber insurance payout. Yes, so I I hate that. I absolutely fucking hate it. You know what though? The economics of it check out. Like, and and one of the things that I think is really ghastly is CISOs kind of realize that they've got an eighteen-month rotation, plus or minus a couple months, and like, hey, I just got to ride the ride as long as I can, and then if I screw up real bad like okay I gotta gotta pivot but chances are if I like screw up to a certain degree I can either lateral move or just slate down and so it's it's there's like some really perverse economics out there. Absolutely I don't know like it's your your stuff on ransomware though is very timely. I'm getting really really close to releasing a uh, open source thing that will detect ransomware and do some interesting responses that we don't yet have. And it's Windows right. only. Yeah. And I'm not sure. I I don't know if uh, folks want that because do. Um, <laughs> you do. All right. Well, you're, you've just signed up for uh, beta test one. My, but, my company um, would love to beta test that, I'm
0: sure. Because the right. amount of ransomware events that we get incidents, mm-hmm. no. phenomenal.
1: Well, it's a ransomware um, uh, detector. And what, what we do is you get to choose the response. So I'll, I'll, we'll jam on. Absolutely. Um, next weekend, I should have something for you.
0: Cool. Awesome. Last thing I wanted to touch on really quick is the NSA and the government offering bounties for intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you? I have my own preconceived. I I, you love it. I hate it. it.
1: I love it. And here's why because what you're incentivizing is if you get the economics on it right, like some someone like who's out in the field somewhere is like, Oh, hey, I saw this thing, and they call up that number and be like, Hey, bounty, please. And, um, you know, it's not like I don't think that it's a substitute for humans, but it should augment. And if you're doing it in addition with, totally, totally in favor of it. So here's here's my my
0: thoughts against it. <clears throat> being being an informant at one point and knowing how that intelligence cycle works, as far as oh hey, I found this, it's really good information. Where I have that, where I have that. And then they take the intelligence and they use it. I've seen it firsthand. It's like, I know you didn't have it because it was just released just like two seconds ago. And here it is. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's interesting. But we're not going to pay for it because we already have it. Well, yeah, you already have it because I just fucking gave it to you. <laughs> but, you know, those games, I've seen them play that before. I think it is a great idea if they handle it correctly. And I think it Mm -hmm. opens lines of communication and builds a community around trying to defend and trying to uh, posture better. Um, But as we know, some of those agencies that deal with that intelligence aren't very straight up and they will take the intelligence and leave you standing there with empty pockets. Um, I hope they don't do that. I pray to God they don't do that because then they'll be creating more attackers than they will gaining intelligence.
1: Well, that's no different than the bug bounty system. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, it's right. There are going to be some players that play right and you attract the better bug bounty seekers. And like that should, in theory, even out where, you know, if you get a rep for paying and paying for appropriate, then you'll start getting better and better tips.
0: Right, exactly. And I think that as far as the type of intelligence you gather, um, I think it will be addressed differently depending on what level of intelligence you're get, gathering. The only other thing I worry about is the question how you obtained that intelligence. Mm-hmm. See, In my mind, that should be an anonymous tip, you know, hey, here's this information, here's my Bitcoin wallet, dump the bounty or whatever in that Bitcoin wallet. I don't think there should be any, well, how'd you get this? you know, what device did you use, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like that, that stuff gets tough because I do understand yeah. that those agencies need to validate that and having that telemetry is needed for validation. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, with, without disclosing, I've been involved in stuff where, you know, I, I tipped off Department of Homeland Security and they're like, cool we need your IP address. We need this. We need that. We need this. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I can't hear you. What, what? (laughs) No, like I turns out I didn't even have an IP address when I was connected to the internet. Like, it's just like, you know, I think that sometimes the people that are on the receiving end of that Intel don't understand what they're being given. Yes. Or they don't understand or care about the issues that they're putting you at. So, yeah. here here's one that's weird. Um, I won't say who, but a buddy of mine called me up one day and he was like, "Hey, um, I helped out a, a federal agency, and I showed them how to set up a um, uh, set up an environment to um, obscure where the traffic's coming from." But like, they used my scripts and all my info is in there. And I said, "Oh." Whoa. And that agency has happens to be dealing with like human traffickers and drug cartels and stuff. And I was like, dude, like you <laughs> got to scrub your scripts and tell them to redeploy. And so like this dude actually had to make a ruse of, oh, hey, this script doesn't work all the way. There's this new new version. like use that. Yeah. And he had all of his like shout outs and stuff removed because, yeah, you know, don't want, cartel hunt you down (laughs) (laughs) yeah so like i just think that like you know it i don't know like i feel like a lot of um i I feel that a lot of federal agencies don't really treat the civvies right Mm -hmm. and i also feel like sometimes the bureaucracy has hamstrung them like you know i i will for like Infragard, I love y'all. I think you do interesting work, but you have got to come up with a way to make your flash notifications be a little more handy and helpful for civvies because like they're like, Hey, uh, did you hear about this log4j thing? And you're like, Yeah, that was December. And they're like, Well, no, 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 it's flash, it's new. And they're yeah. like, What month is it? Yeah, exactly. And so, but I get it because they have to wash the intel before they they And then you can't have any open investigations. So there I don't know. Like it's it is a hot mess. And I don't see an easy fix for them. No, no.
0: Infraguard was a great idea. I think that they had the right idea, but it's just not feasible. You know, when I was part of InfraGuard for several years, and the date, like you said, the, the data, the alerting that I got was just like trash. Like First of all, you're, you're telling me something happened or something's going to happen. You give me nothing to look for or it's already happened and I'm reading old news. Like this is useless. And the, the thing that I didn't like in, about most government agencies is the fact they say, oh, it's a relationship. It's a two-way street. We exchange information. I'm like, bro, I'm not that dumb. Like I give you information. I get jacked. I get a fuck all back. Like how is this helping me? I'm helping you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no no two way street. It's it's definitely a one way street. So but man, it's been a it's been a pleasure having you on as you yeah, was
1: fun to be back on.
0: We we need to have these chats like every week. We just need to set aside an hour of time for you and I'd I, be I down.
1: To I'd just be sit down. We, we could have like our our uh, weekly jams. Weekly session. summary.
0: Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Pick out a day that, that is that'll work for you because my schedule's wide open and uh, we'll make it happen.
1: Okay. All right.
0: Cool. And we'll give our uncandid responses about the news and cybersecurity and and the bitches and complaints about the industry. So that that'll be great. I'm looking forward to it. Well, man, have a good weekend. Uh, thank you All for right, jumping you too, on. I yeah. really appreciate it. And I'll see you next time. Bye, guys. All right. See you, everyone. Bye, buddy. Bye. <clears throat>